0: and hello everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show covering all the latest and greatest in the world of PlayStation. And I can hear myself a lot better this week because I'm using different headphones and it's really throwing me off from the beginning of the show. So this should be a fun one. Uh, we do actually have a bit of PlayStation news to jump into, including a brand new PlayStation Studio acquisition, though it's one that PlayStation already kind of had a partnership with. Uh, and we've also got some other PlayStation news and impressions to jump into. But before we do, I'm joined this week by Mark Medina. Mark, hello.
1: Your your hair is so big. I didn't even know you were wearing headphones. <laughs>
0: that's why <laughs> they're 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 earbuds, technically. So yeah, that's why. Uh, uh, okay. I I finally was like, I should stop hiding all of this hair that I've grown out.
1: And here I need we I need so many more inches to cover these headphones. <laughs> but I all maybe by next week.
0: You'll get. Yeah, I was gonna say within a month or so, you should be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also joined this week by Jada Griffin. Jada, hello. Hello,
2: hello. Hey, in, embrace the curls, Jonathan. Embrace them. They, they will embrace you back and they will warm you through the winter, the winter that is coming, that uh, the uh, winter that's coming in another year because we just passed. Yes, it. like, yes.
1: <laughs> like a month. It's like a month from summer.
0: I I had to keep my hair really short growing up because I went to a Catholic school. And so if it was past mm. my years or past the collar, you like instantly got detention. So I never like my hair was always very short, very well kept there. And so I had no idea I could do this. So I thought I'd just give it a try and see what happens. Pandemic
2: is the perfect time to try new hairstyles.
0: Yeah. No, no one can see it and if i uh, except for watching the show so unfortunately i apologize to everyone out there who doesn't like it but i've enjoyed it so far anyway and that's all that is, matters <laughs> this isn't just a a hair care uh podcast we are here of course to talk about playstation and severance of course mark i'm sure we'll discuss that later
1: but uh Ooh, severance oh my gosh what a show let's, <laughs> what a show
0: We'll we'll let that be a tangent later in the show because i do have some questions for you but before we get there i do want to jump into to the uh, biggest PlayStation news of the week and probably some of the bigger PlayStation news that we've had in quite a few weeks, probably since the last time PlayStation bought a company. Uh, and this is an interesting acquisition on our hands because there's some history to it. There's some uh, reasons why, even though it, it's a new studio, it's one to care about. Uh, but PlayStation announced at the beginning of this week, before we recorded the show, they blessed us with early news, uh, that they have officially acquired Haven Studios. Uh, now, for mm-hmm. those at home, you might have have heard the name haven but you might not be able to think of any games that haven has made because they haven't made any games yet uh haven was a recently announced studio about almost a year ago to the day this announcement was made of this acquisition uh haven which is run by jade raymond and we'll get into jade's career in a little bit but uh they announced a partnership with playstation to uh produce a game that would be exclusively published by PlayStation on consoles, presumably leaving the door open to a PC release as well. Uh, and now, a year later, PlayStation apparently, I guess, likes that project enough that they just acquired Haven. Uh, Haven is now just officially a PlayStation studio. This brings PlayStation up to, I believe, 18 internal studios. Um, we didn't get a name, much more information about the game. We did sort of get a little bit more explicit confirmation about it, and we'll kind of get into what the, the game itself is, is in a little bit uh other than it being a live service multiplayer game but we'll get into why that that kind of makes sense with the recent PlayStation moves. Uh but you know, this is a big deal I think for a lot of Players who maybe even if you don't know jade raymond's name you probably know games she's made uh she was a really instrumental figure in the original assassin's creed she was a producer on it and one of the you know kind of creators at the start of it and was a longtime producer of that series uh and then unfortunately through sort of a string of bad luck Jade Raymond kept joining teams with really exciting opportunities and then never got to release a game and much Mm -hmm. like Amy Hennig my whole thing has been like just someone let Jade Raymond release a game so it feels like PlayStation is finally going to be the place where she gets to Um, just to quickly recap she joined uh what was it first ea she joined motive mm-hmm. to to work on a game and, and was sort of working with the team that amy henning was working with with visceral and motive to make a star wars game that never happened she left ea to then work at google where she was going to be the lead of google's internal gaming studios for stadia when stadia wasn't working out she left as well and then went on to found haven because i guess you know deciding to actually form a studio yourself means you have a bit more control over things. Uh, but now she's at PlayStation. We'll get into more details. I just want to lay that groundwork. Uh, but just to start off with things, Jade, I'll start with you. You know, not knowing much about this game, how how excited are you for the fact that, you know, PlayStation picked up the studio?
2: Um, So I'd say I'm like, cautiously optimistic about it just because we don't we still don't know what this game is going to be what it's going to look like how playstation playstation is going to handle a uh multiplayer like live service type game um like obviously they have the pedigree of bungie coming in with destiny that's going to hopefully help with that um but i also i really like the fact that playstation believes enough in the studio um that they're willing to just go ahead and acquire them from the ground floor basically right at the start, they're not waiting for them to like, hey, you got to release a game and sell millions of copies, you know, be one of our 20 million plus titles to join the PlayStation family. This is showing PlayStation is really growing their roots um, like they did 15 plus years ago with Insomniac and Sony Santa Monica and all the other, and Gorilla and all these other great studios that are under the PlayStation umbrella. Um, and it's just just, you know, it's par for the course for them. This is their strategy continuing on. So I'm excited. And Mark, how about you? How's this uh, acquisition for you?
1: I love this idea that uh, Jade (laughs) Rabin... When Google Stadia was just getting off the ground, it was like Jane Raiden is is going to be in charge over there. So now we know that Google Stadia is going to be a success. And then when she left, you're like, oh, well, that's the end of Google Stadia. <laughs> and it, it is funny that she has nothing against like her pedigree itself. It is kind of funny, though, that it's like she has had this thing where it's like she joins things and you think, OK, this is going to be really good. And then exactly like you're saying she it's bad luck and then she she doesn't get to do the things she's hired to do so it sounds like it sounds like what they're working on might might end up being something special it's really hard for me to get excited uh for a game i don't know anything about and the things that i do know about it is that it's a it's a live service multiplayer game those aren't the like unannounced live service multiplayer games are not the words that get Mark Medina excited for a video game. But uh, once we uh, once we see it, maybe uh, maybe it'll end up being really, really good. But yeah, I agree with you, Jonathan. I think it'll be really nice to see Jade Raymond able to like actually do the thing she was hired to do or, or now has created a studio to do so uh yeah it, and the, yeah the, they must have looked at the game and thought yeah we want this to be like our thing right they mm-hmm. they have mentioned about wanting to push this like live service um model and and this must be one of the what was it like 10 over the next like couple years or something like that games that they want to launch so they must have seen what they're working on and thought, yep, this is going to be really cool. Let's acquire them before, uh, before they show anything and other people get interested. So exciting times, uh, but uh, I'm not excited yet. I'll be excited later. When they show me a game. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: My headphones have died, so I'm going to keep going.
1: You guys Awesome. <laughs> um. We started the episode and Dornbush is like, yo, I got the best headphones ever. You, you, you rave for 10 of minutes. Course. These are the coolest headphones I can't you'll ever believe see. it. You can't. Anyway. I see your headphones now, Dornbush. Yep. How'd those work out for <laughs> you? It
0: sucks because then my hair is just going to be all weird and flat against the sides of my head. I was so excited, and now here we are. It's so disappointing for me. <laughs>
2: <sighs> anyway, it's not disappointing
0: is this acquisition um but yeah no i i mean mark to your point it's definitely not knowing a thing about the game we did get to see some artwork on the haven studios website finally there are some like brief images up there right now but other than that it's kind of like a live service multiplayer game means nothing until we know what the hooks are what the gameplay is they they've said their quote quote unquote the game is built upon a systemic and evolving world focused on delivering freedom thrill and playfulness but again, that could mean anything. We we don't know, like that could mean something that's not as combat focused. That could mean something that's more like experiential. It could be something that is combat focused. It could be more PvE. There might not be PvP. Like we don't know anything kind of about it at this point. And so the hope is that there's something there. But you know, Jade has such a pedigree and, and such a history of things that even though she hasn't gotten to release a project recently, I think it's very exciting to see a creator like her. At PlayStation, because I think it's it's a little bit more of a secure backing than E8 attempting sort of its new studio uh, setup that things weren't quite working and shifting at the time. Or Google trying a brand new gaming <laughs> venture when Google often gives up on things if it's not going exactly the way they mm-hmm. want to. Whereas here, it's like, no, we've seen PlayStation really stick to teams, Gina, as you were saying, exactly like they built teams from the ground up. So many amazing teams and, and you know. Uh, both people at the heads of those teams and the 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 quality of talent all throughout um you know that's something that they're really good at building from the ground up so to be able to do that with jade at the head with all of her institutional knowledge is really really exciting as a foundational new studio for playstation but yeah it's it's an interesting time for this because a year ago this was just a partnership
1: playstation Mm -hmm. also has this like really 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 cool trend that i like where not only do they have this like library of of studios but they also like they they're really good at like pushing their talent right mm-hmm. when you see God of War you know it's not just you know Sony Santa Monica like well God of War 2018 it was like Cory Barlog right like people mm-hmm. knew who that was and people knew Herman Holst and uh Sean leyden and all these like studio heads like you the insomniac people like you know who these people are and so it's like Haven Studios now you have jade raymond and it's like it's kind of funny that like you can really really associate studios with their studio heads or like prominent members and it's like that's something that seems like they're they're kind of continuing the trend with here they're not just acquiring studios they're acquiring people and so uh i hope that leads to some really cool things it it has so far so
0: when they're they're acquiring people who i think also are pretty good at making sure that their teams are well respected and accounted for. Like it there has been, I think, this problem throughout gaming and, you know, in all art of oh, a game, like you know Corey for God of War, but Corey is not the only person who made God of War. Like the and mm-hmm. and I think those people have been really great at like in any interview I think I've done with Corey, he is very quick to give praise to you know people from the writing team the design team the level team whatnot of like no this is a game made by hundreds of people and and i think jade with the small team that they're building it seems to be like we really want to cultivate this group as a, as a group of really skilled developers and so i hope we continue to see that as we learn more about their game um because it you know kind of the, a single name only can go so far if the rest of the team isn't there
1: it's kind of the same with like uh naughty dog like you know neil Druckmann, but it's like you also know like Just all the other people there, like Arnie and and I forget who his like Neil Druckmann's like partner used to be. I forget his name. Bruce Rayley. Yep.
0: Yeah. Well, it, and, and, and also like... like a new generation of Naughty Dog people, even though they've been there for a l- long time, like Kurt Margoneau and uh, Sean Eskayeg, who did shift over to Square mm-hmm. for a little bit, but is back there. Like those two have, have been really rising up in the in you know the ranks of Naughty Dog after being there for a very long time. They've done incredible work throughout the years, but I think like people are starting to recognize their names more, basically, and and so it's cool to see that it is not left to a single person as as mm-hmm. the definition of these hundreds plus, you know, yeah. studios. Um, With that said, though, I did also just want to briefly mention, of course, I I think there's been a sudden like rush to speculate of, okay, this is the latest PlayStation acquisition. And it's one of the, you know, they did several partnerships like Haven last year with uh, Firewalk Studio. Uh, for another multiplayer game that's in the works and deviation games which is also uh, made up of former call of duty leads Uh, and so i think a lot of people have been quick to be like well those two studios are going to be acquired next right that's how this all works if those projects are going well that'll happen and it's like maybe one day but there's sort of a like a bit of a a difference with some of them and i know the three of us were talking beforehand uh even because our producer red was like what games can i pull from firewalk and it's like well they're a brand new studio and they're also part of a mm-hmm. three-team company known as Probably Monsters. And so Probably Monsters would have to sell off Firewalk to Sony, or Sony would have to potentially look at buying all of Probably Monsters. I, I'm i curious what you both think, and maybe, Jade, I'll start with you. I've seen, I, I think, like, PlayStation's acquisitions have kind of fallen into really clear buckets of companies that they've worked really well with either newer companies or long-term companies but like there's been a clear history and relationship with teams like housemark and and bluepoint haven obviously that's a newer one but they clearly liked that partnership i i don't think PlayStation's going to rush to grab a team unless they're very confident that they fit into the playstation sort of you know work ethic and and things that they're focused on and and that sort of stuff but what what do you think
2: yeah, I think for studios that they're going to acquire going forward and even just like what we've seen recently is they have to do something that Sony is either missing or it has to also it has to um, be a it has to add, be additive to what Sony is already doing. Like it needs to be a studio that um, exemplifies what they are as a brand and needs to exemplify what they're their uh, strategy is for not even not only short term, but long term in the PlayStation um, strategy map. Um, and I think, you know, they PlayStation, you know, we've seen we've got Bungie, we've got Bluepoint, we've got now we've got uh, Haven. And there's a bunch of others I'm, I'm missing that have recently happened. Um, these are happening sooner than we've gotten in the past like couple of years, I feel like. Um, at least there's just more news around it at least um, but I feel like we're going to see more of these but I'm not like in a rush to see these studios get added if that makes sense like it's going to be great when we start to see more of these studios added to the PlayStation family but there's not I don't think Sony's in a rush for it I think they're just kind of playing their own game right now and trying to like really sets the the set themselves up for success in the future. And I think that's really what this plan of all these acquisitions have been. Um, And yes, that's kind of the overall plan for acquisitions in general, but I think it more so feeds into PlayStation's overall strategy and what they're trying to do.
1: Yeah. I think, I think acquisitions are, I think they're the most fun weirdly when they're obvious, like when Xbox bought Bethesda, I was, I was so thrown off by that. And I, I had a lot of, trouble like i'm a, I'm a huge bethesda fan and mm-hmm. and honestly like fallout 4 is the reason i the fallout franchise is the reason i work at ig and i i've told that story a million times it's like i was brought on because i love fallout so much that i i covered fallout 4 and stuff and it's like so that was such a weird acquisition to me and i i i still to this day don't know how exactly how i feel about it um uh my wife was clicking through game pass yesterday because she hadn't played her xbox in a while and so she was clicking through it she's like oh my god doom 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 elder scrolls elder and i'm like i know like it's so weird when they acquire something it's like boom this like dump of games on game pass and it's like a million different versions of doom i i will say my favorite kinds of acquisitions are the ones like housemark and Blue Point, where it's like Hey, we acquired House And it's like, of course you did. They've been mostly exclusive to PlayStation since like forever. Um, I know there are some games like Next Machina that were also on PC, but it's like, of course, that completely makes sense. And the same with Blue Point. You're like, yeah, you're making these awesome remakes that have just been exclusive to PlayStation. It 100% makes sense for you guys to. The Bungie one's still a little weird for me because I, I just mm-hmm. I don't know what the plan is there. Like, that's it's not a finalized deal. And it's, I don't think it is at least. Um, but also, it's just like, they've been so weird about the messaging for it, where it's like, Hey, we're acquired by PlayStation, but like, this doesn't mean anything. And you're like, okay, then why did it happen? (laughs) So I'm just like waiting to find out what exactly that means.
0: The Bungie one is, I, yeah, I think a really interesting exception to the rule because it is very much like, even though PlayStation and Bungie, I think have like, it's fair to say have been partnered for a bit with like exclusives for destiny and whatnot for, for both destiny one and two, like, They're not an immediate assumption of a partner that you would you would think of, but it very clearly seems to be a like Bungie wanted some financial backing and the ability to expand into things. Sony on a corporate level can offer that. And that's why they're not a PlayStation studio currently, because they they want to still be their own thing. But both sides can essentially mutually benefit from, I think, more behind the scenes things than like publishing game exclusive things.
1: Yeah, I think I think the weird thing that's messaging with when it comes to Bungie is the fact that it's like nothing is changing with Destiny 2. And you're like, okay, well, that's all you guys do. So that's all they can kind of say right now without like announcing things that they're not really ready to announce. Like, I'm sure they would love to say the words like nothing's changing with Destiny 2, but this is giving us money to be able to make the Destiny Netflix show or just some other unannounced games. But they can't announce those things yet. So. Right now they have to just say we're still an independent studio and nothing is changing, right? Like uh, nothing is changing yet. We something will change eventually. And oh, yeah, you'll have to they'll never say like, hey, we're able to make this show because of the PlayStation deal. But those things will kind of come in fruition. Oh, they, all of a sudden they're making this movie. That's probably because of the PlayStation deal. I
0: mean, I especially think especially because
1: that'll be PlayStation studio.
0: Exactly. They don't even need to explicitly say without the deal, this wouldn't have happened. It'll just be like, well, it has a right. PlayStation productions logo on it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, there's a Sony music collaboration with artists for destiny trailers going forward or something like that. Like that'll
1: just, well. Be- and to be, to be honest, like that's what I'm waiting for, for Xbox and Bethesda as well. It's like, you're kind of, I'm, st- you know, you're still scratching your head. Like, what is the point of this deal? Right. They, other than the fact that they just own Bethesda, but, I'm waiting for, Hey, this other studio that we own is now making not fallout five, but a fallout spinoff. And you're like, okay, there it is. Like, they 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 bought them for their properties and they just haven't done anything with them yet but the second those announcements start coming out then you then the deal starts to make sense because right now the deal is just we own cinemax now and i I mean i think nothing's changed right (laughs) now
0: the deal for them is to have more game pass games
1: (laughs) I am sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, I you need games to go on Game Pass, though. <laughs> so, oh, I, know, but like, I mean, I, just
0: I, like yeah. that's all the Bethesda games will be on there. So, like, I think the the idea right. is just like that. Make, that makes Game Pass the obvious home for a Bethesda interested player mm-hmm. is,
2: I yeah. think, like their current goal. Jada's yeah, there's impact. No, yeah, I was just saying they're empowering their ecosystem. They're around Game Pass. That's what they're doing. Um, I do have a question that came- I was thinking, and this is totally on a tangent, um, but you guys Mark was mentioning a destiny movie. Jonathan, who would you like to see star in a destiny movie?
0: You're asking someone who played about five hours of destiny one. So, uh, yeah, I, so give me an actor. I mean, you got to have Lance Reddick in there, though.
1: There you know, go. That's that's what I was gonna say. I'm like, nice. <laughs> it already has a good cast. You get Lance Reddick. You get Nathan Fillion. Like we, it's already cast. That's true. It is.
0: Um, I mean, of course, I think Tom Holland should star as the main player character. Sure, now, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Who's
1: Chris Pratt gonna play? He'll play Ghost. <laughs> he's, he's
0: the he's the Ghost. Chris Pratt. Yeah, right. Exactly. Pratt the okay. Yeah. I almost called yeah, him Chris okay. Pratt. Praise the Ghost.
1: Kind of <laughs> still <laughs> works. <laughs> Um, so but, <laughs> that sounds like an Elden Ring message. <laughs> Chris Platt, praised the ghost as a second look. Praise the ghost. View ahead. <laughs> um,
0: but I, like I would assume he would be in it. I assume as as Mark mentioned, Nathan Fillion. Um, I know that I, you know I would like to eventually try Destiny because I hear the the amazing like story stuff they've been doing, and I know that Deborah Wilson is playing the Witch Queen or is is involved in the Witch Queen expansion, and she is a phenomenal actress. Like she is mm-hmm. so good. So I would love for her to get more roles, whether it's as that role or something else. But do, do you have people in mind to be in a Destiny movie or?
2: Uh, I honestly, so let's see. I would like to see, uh, you know, I'm just going to go off of other Hollywood castings from video game movies and stuff right now. So I, I would like to see brought in. We know Kevin Hart is playing Roland in Borderlands, so I'd like to see him also do Destiny just so we can get that kind of weird kind of like comparison. I think that would be really good. Plus, if he does end up getting like a dramatic character, he plays really good dramatic roles. So I would love to see Kevin Hart in that. Um, And you know what? I did a poster for this that had Gal Gadot and Kevin Hart and The Rock. So I'd love to see those three. I'm just trying to bring my vision, my Mm -hmm. very terrible Photoshop vision to life. And I will reshare that in the repost for this tweet, um, when we tweet this uh, show out, so people can see my terrible, terrible Photoshop work, but it's actually kind of good. So I like
0: that the things I want to bring to life from this episode are to let Jade Raymond make a game, and you're like, I just want the Rock to be in the Destiny movie. Just, really, <laughs>
1: just it's, all, it's all I've ever <laughs> wanted. It's so funny to see how much Hollywood is like, kind of, I don't know, I, I don't want to say like infiltrating, but that's kind of a harsh word uh, in, into the game space. It's not like it's integrating. It's kind new, of new, like but it's integrating yeah but it's like have you seen the cast for uh for tiny tina it's it's oh yeah birch which is a voice actress but then it's like will arnett andy Mm -hmm. sandberg and 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 wanda sykes oh yeah and wanda sykes right and so you're just like these are like i don't want to say real actors but it's like it's so it's so weird because you have Someone like Ashley Birch, who like we know and love, and and but it's like, is she like a Hollywood actress? But she's acting alongside of Will Arnett, right? Like well, who's been in movies and shows and and Andy Sandberg, Brooklyn? Like yeah. it's so it's so weird this like mesh of things. TV,
2: yeah, to be fair, though, like Ashley Birch has been making, you know, waves doing other stuff outside of voice acting like she's, you know, she's mm-hmm. a, one of the main cast in Mythic Quest, um, which is a phenomenal show on Apple Plus. I'm just giving Mark away to sever to, uh, to <laughs> segue into severance. Um, but, yeah, she's been doing stuff like that for a while now. And so it's great. You know, she's well, uh, she's got she's got a voice actor for a Disney show, um, Molly and Molly McGee and the Ghost, I think or something like that. Oh, I, think, yeah. I can't remember. I so, about. like, yeah. So, like, she's been doing a lot of stuff. So I wouldn't even put her on like a different level. It's just they had different paths and they're intersecting now at games Mm -hmm. is the way I I look at it. I think for me,
0: the thing is Hollywood sort of pushed aside voice actors like I. that's a big mm-hmm. problem with yeah. animated movies in general and uh, like we're still seeing it with the Mario movie but it's like voice actors would get pushed aside especially in the early 2000s to put a bunch of celebrities in your movie because they saw it worked in Shrek or a Disney movie and then so suddenly every DreamWorks and Pixar and, and Disney movie suddenly stopped using voice actors who are trained professionals to do this stuff and Mm -hmm. i think as games started to get more cinematic and have more of those ambitions a lot of them found more outlets there and but because of now the crossover that's happening more and more to to your point mark i think we're just starting to see those those lines blur which i think is hopefully for the better because all of these different actors have all these incredible strengths and i don't think like an actor who has done a lot of great game stuff can't also be in movies or television even if it's just other voice work, maybe they don't want to do on camera work. Cause it is very different acting. Like mm-hmm. on camera work is very different right. from voice. Yep. So I just think it's like a, it, it's kind of a, both sides are starting to realize that. But also to your point, I think now that kind of Hollywood, like Hollywood goes in waves. It was like a lot of animation was, it was a big deal in the early two thousands. Then we got into a superhero phase. And now as people are looking for IP, because, Superheroes are so locked to either DC or Marvel. Video games are kind of this open wild west of free IP, and Sony is leaning into it. But Sony is the only game company that's aligned with a studio in that way.
1: Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and so I think also there's just, I, just like, I think Death Stranding was like the first one that like really like hit me hard. Where it's mm-hmm. like you have you have Norman Reedus and Mads mickelson acting alongside Troy Baker, right? And it's like again, I'm not discrediting Troy Baker. I think he's he's Phenomenal, the greatest voice actors to ever exist. Right. But like, it's so strange. Like, I it's not <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's I like it. I like this whole like melding of, of you know, getting actual like movie and TV actors kind of mixed in with with voice actors, because I I'm sure it gives the voice actors this like cool opportunity to to work alongside these like Hollywood actors and i I don't know it's just kind of a cool thing to see to see the 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 bridge but it also you know bring it back around to destiny it also becomes this weird thing where you're like if you if you were to make like the horizon movie you're like well who would who would play uh and you're like it would it would just it would be lance reddick why wouldn't it be lance reddick um and it's same with the destiny movie it's like you it would lance reddick would play um Zavala, and you you would have a there he is there's a boy, uh or and you would have Nathan Fillion play uh Cade and all that stuff. So it's like it becomes this weird thing. Like Death Stranding was a movie, Norman Reedus would just play Sam. Like it it just kind of makes sense there. Yeah,
0: yeah, well, it's, awesome. I, <laughs> I think we're gonna just see these the the lines between everything start to blur, especially as more. Games have, have these uh, inclinations to go a little more, bit more cinematic with their approach and, you know, can reach that fidelity. And I think actors see it as another outlet, um, you know, especially with these like the white stages that they're all acting in the mocap studios aren't that different from Star Wars and Lord of the Rings acting against green screens like they have a little bit more equipment on their faces, but that's pretty much it like that for, for a lot of them. I do think there is a bridge that is more easy to, to cross now because that's just become such a common part of Hollywood filmmaking. So I, I think we're going to probably see it more and more. Um,
1: yeah, I remember seeing old naughty dog stuff where it's like, I'm opening a door and it's like a styrofoam like board or whatever. And you're like, Oh man, they really have to act. Mm -hmm. But then I've been watching a lot of behind the scenes stuff for Spider-Man no way home. And I'm like, oh he jumped off a building no he jumped off a, a styrofoam crate yep. like and he's me. just Hear acting me. like he's jumping off a building one
0: fake concrete pole for that highway scene between him and doc ock and then the rest of it is blue screen and yeah it's yeah. it's not that different from being on the, like i'm sure the, obviously there are differences but like you know from a from a bird's eye view it's not that far removed so we'll probably see it a lot more as we we continue on uh, and, and PlayStation has one of the most prominent studios for that stuff. Uh, we've seen, I know there's been a lot of like, oh, what's Kojima working on with PlayStation right now? Because he's been remote watching uh, production happen at PlayStation's studios uh, in LA. Uh, he's been watching from back in Japan, kind of like remotely filming stuff for whatever his next project is. So mm. yeah, I'm sure we're only going to continue seeing it. Hopefully, will there be more Norman Reedus? Who knows, but we'll, we'll have to find out in the future.
1: God, I would... I would love a Death Stranding too. I'm probably alone, but I would love <laughs> yeah. Death Stranding too. <laughs> I think it <laughs> I don't could be. People really cool. get it, but
2: I I really <laughs> enjoyed that game.
1: But yeah, I like that game a lot, and I I would love to see more from that world.
2: Um, I didn't get far, I didn't get far enough in Death Stranding. Last the only quick question: Are there like yes. conveyor belts you can build? No, that's what no. they need for Death Stranding too. They need conveyor belts so you can like <laughs> transport things from place I mean, to you've place.
0: Got, you've got like uh not wired the
2: cannons
1: now yeah there's cannons uh, now
0: there's the zip lines there's there are things but i do think yeah they would need to figure out new modes of transportation a, a cool yeah. conveyor belt that like zips out from a starting point would be a cool one
1: yeah i um, just imagine the storyboard seven new ways to walk or not walk. that is a back-of-the-box
0: like blurb if i've ever seen one seven new ways to walk
2: death strength <laughs> yep. um yep.
0: Anyway, speaking of games that obviously require a ton of motion capture on those stages, Gran Turismo 7 has been in the news a lot as well. Um and that doesn't it's not true at all, but Gran Turismo is uh moving on to some other PlayStation news that's worth talking about. Uh has kind of come under fire at a point, uh you know, we were just talking about Haven Studios and their multiplayer online sort of focus, PlayStation's ambition to have 10 of these games by 2026, and Gran Turismo 7 is the latest and probably biggest example of a PlayStation game going online focused. Uh with you know a multiplayer environment, a DLC environment, it it it's kind of come under fire for its microtransaction uh, systems, and we can get into that. But there was a really sort of big problem that I think is worth addressing um, from late last week, where people couldn't play GT Seven for I think it was over a day, basically mm-hmm. due to a like server connection issue. Because GT Seven, even though you can play it primarily single player, requires an only on or an always online connection. People could not play GT Seven for. 24 plus hours and this caused a lot of frustration for people who are like but i just want to do time trials i just want to do my races on my own i don't need to race other people right now but because of this requirement people were locked out and now granted it was just a day and it's passed now the servers are back up and running there are some other things to dip into but i think for some people and, and uh mark i'll start with you on this one i like I don't think we've seen this from a lot of PlayStation games before. I do think it's very prevalent on a lot of PC games, a lot of third-party games. Um, Always online requirements, especially for single-player games, are weird. It creates a worrying sort of, uh, I guess, you know precedent for the future for people the idea that like well what if i just want to play the next naughty dog game but it always requires an always online co- connection um i i think people are starting to worry is that going to be the future for playstation games do, do you see this as potentially an isolated in, like uh moment something to learn from or do you think this is sort of a worrying sign of playstation's dive into multiplayer games
1: um look it it is incredibly frustrating to- have a game that you've paid money for and not be able to play it because of something on uh, out of your control, correct? Like that is Mm -hmm. insanely frustrating. It doesn't matter if it was a, I don't know when this was, I don't know if it was like a Monday or Tuesday. Like it doesn't matter. Not everybody works Monday through Friday. And so if you have Tuesday off and you want to play your game that you, that you spent all this money for and you can't, that is like insanely frustrating. Right. Um, but the thing is, is, I I hate to say it. This is, this is not anything new. Mm -hmm. We we've been renting is not the right word, but like we have been buying licenses for video games for a long time. Now games that at any moment can more or less be taken away from us because not like single player games, but how many MMOs have people invested Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of hours into that have then just shut down. Right. Um, and uh, th- there are still games that exist now that you just all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're taking the servers down for this. Like Halo was a big prominent one. They took the Halo two servers down and that was like a big deal for people. I, I, I hesitate to bring it up because it's a weird <laughs> one, but like Anthem is a game that exists that will not exist pretty soon. And and once they take the servers down for Anthem, you will never be able to play that game again. This game that people do like is just gone. Right. So I think. I think people just kind of need to wrap their head around the fact that it's like every time you buy a game like Gran Turismo that has this like online thing. Sorry, this game is going to not exist one day. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's a trend that will stop or can be stopped. So I I definitely feel for the people that wanted to play this game and didn't get to. But the the other frustrating thing about this is the game is, I, I guess, has a lot of microtransactions and some of them are kind of expensive but people are finding exploits to get past those microtransactions. transactions. You would think that that would be a fine thing because they're finding ways to play the game to make it where they don't have to spend money. But the people that are spending money are feeling a little jaded now because they're like, Hey, I spent money on this car, but apparently if I just exploit the game, I could have gotten it for free. Well, What the hell? Like, why are there things in this game that mm-hmm. are making it where I'm having to pay for things, but other people aren't just because they're willing to cheat. And it, it, it It shows that there's just you take both of those things combined and it shows that there's still a lot of work to be done when it comes to online only games. But it's it's honestly one of those things where it's like I kind of I fear for the future where every single game is like has a shelf life because they they require online connections and servers to be ran that eventually aren't going to be maintained.
0: <laughs> and and just to your point, and then Jada, I want to ask you about yeah. this, just to, just to mention for clarity for people who haven't heard about this sort of exploit thing, essentially people are figuring out a way to, uh, you remote play GT7 on your PC and then run a script and then people are essentially able to have it keep running a race over and over and accruing mm. uh, coins in game. So it's not something that it's like you leave your PS5 on and just uh, rubber band the control, like the the, the right thumb we've done that head, in the past yeah. yeah oh that's that's what i that's how i unlocked super smash brothers melee characters when it was like play 900 battles it would just you know rubber band the controller so they kept running off the stage to die
1: but this is well forza forza had that exact thing well it had a thing where the accessibility is so good i guess you could say with forza it's almost too good <laughs> where the, you if, if you can hold down r2 the game will just play itself like there are so many accessibility features where you're just like It will just keep you in the middle of the thing and do all the turns for you. And so what people were doing is there are some races in Forza that take 15, 20 minutes to complete just one lap, like Goliath and stuff like that. They're making custom races where they're making it where it's like 100 laps, right? So that's hours of gameplay. You rubber band down R2 and you just let it run overnight and then you finish the race and you just get all that XP. But the microtransactions, I, I assume Forza has microtransactions. I think they do. But I don't think they're as egregious as they are in GT seven is the difference there
2: and so it looks like we lost jonathan uh jonathan's sound there you go uh, uh, there we go i held
0: the the button down for too long uh my (laughs) mic is great i really am getting a new mic soon i promise uh the (laughs) the way the microtransactions work this time around uh gt sport you could just individually purchase cars at a set price but cars Mm. now are are bought via in-game currency uh, and those credits can be purchased as well. And those range from like $2 and 50 cents for a hundred thousand credits or $20 for 2 million credits. Um, but, Uh, i think vgc sort of did some of the math and this was earlier on uh the cost of a car that would have been five dollars in gt sport is almost forty dollars in gt7 and and because of the sort of credit inflation and there's also been a thing where recently gt7's in-game rewards were reduced uh during Mm -hmm. a recent patch of things and so that has caused all of this frustration among the the fan base and i think it's I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from all this. And, and Jada, I'm, I'm curious to hear from you, especially someone I think who plays a lot of multiplayer games, has, has, yeah. uh, you know, invested in a lot of those different ecosystems. I think it's worth saying all of this, I think, went into practice before Sony has been working with Bungie and not that Destiny 2 has had a perfect, you know, life cycle of microtransactions and things of that
2: nature. Um, but yeah, no, like in-game economies, microtransactions, these are things that are still, I'd say, still are relevantly new. Um, And when it comes to getting it right, um, even somebody like uh, Apex, who's been around for three plus years now, they've rebalanced their economy uh, a couple times between how many, you know, uh, how much each skin costs, how much different, you know, how much does a skin cost for a character? How much does a skin cost for a weapon? You know, how much are these bundles? How much are these packs? They do special events where packs are more expensive, but they give cooler things. Um, other companies that have done, uh, I think that one of the companies that I think that has done the microtransactions the best when it comes to multiplayer games would be Overwatch, because you get the loot crates so often in there playing just on your own, especially during events that you can literally earn stuff by playing enough. But if you want to finish getting stuff before the event sometimes you you know you drop 10 15 bucks to get a couple extra boxes to finish off the event um, but GT is you know I think this is relatively it's still relatively newer for GT um, and I think that they're this is their first wave of uh, economy balancing um, and that's a very important thing in a game like this because if you allow these exploits that are there to go on for too long it'll ruin the economy in game and like, I i don't believe there's any like selling or trading cars between players, so you don't have to worry about that, but you do have to worry about like long-term financial goals for the game. Like obviously microtransactions are put into these games to extend their shelf life and extend their value beyond the initial $70 purchase. Like that's nothing new with microtransactions. We've seen that in games for since microtransactions became a thing. But you know, when we there's these exploits become very um open and out there and like spread so fast uh, with the internet like it can tank a economy immediately and like 10 15 years ago when the internet was still like new and budding and there wasn't like everybody wasn't on youtube and twitter and twitch and sharing these exploits these types of things a would have gotten patched and been a lot more silent and b might not have even been noticed by the developers because there would have been like you know maybe 10 to 100,000 people using this exploit versus now millions of players could be using this exploit. And that's a big difference Mm. when it comes to financial earnings and stuff for this game that could literally kind of determine if PlayStation and Sony looks at GT seven. Is this game successful? Was it not successful financially Um, and kind of can change the future. I'm not saying that it's right to increase the costs or decrease the earnings in-game, but I understand what the perspective is from a business angle. It's not always about um, you know, how how much it sucks for us as players. Um, because it does suck as players said, so like, okay, this one race used to get me, I used to be able to do this one race like 10 times to earn enough for a new car. Now I've got to do this race 15 times. So it's way more time before I can get my next car. It sucks. Um but I mean We live in a business world. It's a capitalist type society. So like, it's just kind of the way it is. And I'm not happy about it, but you know, it is what it is. I'm a realist. So, um, but yeah.
0: I mean, I I think both of these problems represent like somewhat new territory. Obviously these are not the first like online or microtransactions in a PlayStation game or anything like that. They've obviously had multiplayer ecosystems before and, and and DLC and things like that. Um, but I do think like these two, this confluence of events at once is a very like yes. stark moment. And, and it is something that I think is worth pointing out. Like this is not a a common thing yet among PlayStation games. But I think as we look ahead, as we know, PlayStation is really bullish about making free to play multiplayer or, or just multiplayer in general, live service stuff, a larger part of their offerings. I think, you know. Seeing a game where you could theoretically play g t seven on your own forever and not have to worry about any online functionality to lose access to that after paying seventy dollars is really frustrating for players and I think mm-hmm. to then see this shift in microtransactions and to see in- game you know rewards reduced simultaneously like around the same time is again, as, as you were saying, Jada, it sucks. It just sucks. <laughs> and it's, it's something that I hope we can see them respond to. I think what's going to be really interesting is I, the GT7 fan base clearly seems to have a continued, sustained frustration with this. Like these things happened a couple days ago or they were instituted a few days ago, but they're not, they're not just over it. And so I'm very curious no. to see what the response is from here. Because um, there, there is a really great racing game there, but for it to be limited by these things or held back by these things for the player experience... I think goes a long way, not just to, as you were saying, like GT sevens considered success, but where they go in the future.
2: Um, Yeah, I think also like, I think one of the best things that games can do when it comes to cosmetics is really having a separate pool between like paid for and earnable in game. Like, yes, it's great to be able to earn some of the paid stuff in game with maybe like a separate type of currency. Apex does this very well, where there's like, unique, like if you get a, sk- a skin for a certain gun or a character, you can get an alternate colored version of that skin if you own it, the base version by spending either in-game currency or real life currency. So like and it's it's kind of a fair way to do it. And that's kind of what they're doing here. But I think also having sometimes unique stuff, maybe like if there's like, say, a Porsche and there's a special GT edition Porsche that's micro transaction only. But you can earn a same one gameplay wise That just looks a little different within game currency. I think that's a good way to go about it. Personally, it sucks. Yeah, like you want to spend money to get this one. But if the performance is the same between the two cars, does it really matter that one car has a racing stripe and one doesn't? Well, I, I like, think
0: that's part of the problem is that these microtransactions yeah. are for cars that perform differently
2: like these. are, Yeah. Like- and that's the issue. Mm. Yeah. yeah.
0: when it's it's stuff that you can earn in game by earning those you know rewards it's it's good that there is that avenue but when it's so easy for someone to buy the better car and just pick it up it becomes a frustrating
2: point and and like
0: to your point i think there are games that balance it really well where certain items are only like cosmetics in in a lot of games Mm -hmm. are now the only things you can buy for real money and they don't affect gameplay whereas gameplay things are earned via in-game currencies and and stuff like that and i think those are ultimately the best path forward when microtransactions Mm -hmm. are unfortunately just going to be a part of the way we play i think like Uh, the the problem is as much as i think people can be very upset with microtransactions as a thing very clearly they sell like crazy like there's not going to be an end Mm -hmm. to microtransactions anytime soon otherwise free-to-play games wouldn't exist they work too well um to sell that stuff and so i think it's really about finding out the the economy that works the best and hopefully they can do that for gt7 before it's too late because it would be a really big kind of tarnished reputation for one of playstation's longest running franchises
2: Look at him, just drop in more Elden Ring.
1: Carnish, like, we we're, we we're talk about like, Elden Ring. Now. Just dropping
2: okay. those Elden Ring little
1: segues. I wasn't, the, I wasn't the only one that picked that up. Well, I was, okay. yeah.
2: I was wondering <laughs> if you guys have spent those
0: three bucks for the the differently colored Elden Ring sword, or is that just me?
1: Uh, no, I got horse armor Good, for nice. Torrent. <laughs> Man, I gotta find those. It's so funny yeah. that people you would really buy, buy
0: that. Like,
1: oh yeah, people hundred like. percent. I would probably buy. I would buy horse armor for Torrent. Yeah, that, for uh, Torrent of course i would for tornish <laughs> for for tornished, for tornished. <laughs> my, my favorite horsey boy i i would i would hand over an unexplicitly amount of money just to make it to give me a, a hide helm option in that game because oh, oh yeah what is the point of making your character i completely forgot what my character even looks like because th- there's this is good. spoilers for not really a spoiler but like you can eventually change how you look and i'm like why by that point you are completely covered head to toe what does it matter why would you change your character oh so that way you could take pictures the game doesn't have a photo mode. <laughs> like <laughs> that's another I would, thing i would pay money that's for. what i'd say that's
2: what i'd pay for give me a proper photo mode give me an offline photo mode i'll give you five ten bucks for that careful no you know what i do is is, like i found a i know right be careful
1: (laughs) um i i uh i found a really pretty area last night and here i am opening my equipment like taking my helm off and all that stuff so i can like take some decent pictures because if not i just look like every other vagabond in the game so it's like (laughs) you know the things we do man yep yep anyway games games
0: great uh i hope we can see some improvements for gt7 in that regard um you know obviously if there are any major adjustments or additions to the game we'll be sure to talk about them on the show but i feel for all the players out there who uh even with you know stuff solved on the server side at least for now is you know it's always possible something like that can happen again but hopefully Mm -hmm. we can see some improvements to the economy in that game because that is a very frustrating pain point i can imagine for a lot of people just wanting to get some cool cars uh Yep. Moving on from there for some other PlayStation updates, just to briefly let you all know, uh, we talked about a PS5 and PS4 software beta that went live in February for players. Uh, this added some different party organization and, and chat features. Uh, that thing is now live for all players today. Uh, it also includes the ability to do voice commands. It's it's sort of still in a preview and only available, I believe, in English. Um but you can now use voice commands to do some things on your PS5. Uh, in addition to that.
1: Alexa, drive my GT7 car for free.
0: Oh, people are going to be so <laughs> mad at you because you definitely
1: made someone's
0: someone's robot go off. <laughs>
1: who, is, who is listening to this podcast through their, like, surround sound system? Sometimes be surprised. when
0: I'm I listen to podcasts yeah. and they mention one of the robots and the robots
1: one of the, ro- I'm the robots it. I'm
0: trying to be kind to our listeners but someone mentioned Was not
1: there wasn't there a thing that people were like Xbox off and it was like making their connect turn their Xbox
0: There's off? I think there's yep. a an Xbox ad where it's like Usher says it or something and mm-hmm. uh, oh, or, or no. like a, there's some celebrity who says it might be Usher or Justin Bieber or someone there's like an old ad where one of them says it and it was affecting Xboxes for a while when they were hooked up to connect um so yeah It's so funny. Anyway uh, Schmalexa may do that, and I apologize, but. In addition to that, uh, they also announced some updates to the PS uh, app on your phones for iOS and Android, some additions to the UI, Uh, and also if you use the Remote Play app, it finally has a dark mode. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, Probably the biggest thing, though, that they announced, it's not here yet, though, is that variable refresh rate, which is probably the thing people have been asking for the most on PS5. There are several things people have been asking for when it comes to the UI and features and whatnot, uh, folders, themes, etc. But variable refresh rate is sort of one of those things we've known has been in the works uh they said it's coming in the coming months and we'll have some updates on mm-hmm. it you'll be able to turn it on and also be able to turn it on for games that don't necessarily support it uh and then they were like and if it doesn't work and you notice visual problems uh just turn it off but that will be an option um mark based on your head nods and i assume you're excited somewhat for variable refresh rate i'm gonna put you on the spot
1: <laughs> yeah i have a video coming out today explaining all of ghostwire tokyo's freaking like the game does some weird stuff and uh i i'm i it's it's requiring a five minute explainer on how everything works like like i just want to do a psa right now if you're playing ghostwire tokyo there's a big chance you're only playing in 1080p because of a setting you have on your ps5 uh it's called it's, it's the 120 hertz uh option most people have it set to automatic if you do you're playing ghostwire tokyo in 1080p just a heads up Uh, so you might want to you might want to get rid of that bad boy but yeah there's like six graphics options for that game and they all do different things uh because the game has an uncapped frame rate if you want it to it's the 120 hertz option um but then it's like got v-sync and stuff like that which are things that like pc players are really normally used to but not used to in a console game and there's so many different settings you have to tweak to make the game feel good to me uh hopefully hopefully variable refresh rate will help that they do mention how much it'll help like screen tearing uh refresh rates bouncing all over uh you know uh frame rates bouncing all over the place but then also input lag so yeah it's something that i am very excited for and uh when it, when they when I saw variable refresh rate, I'm like, no, I'm working on this Ghostwire Tokyo video and it's going to be completely <laughs> irrelevant or I'm going to have to change a bunch of things. And they're like, no, it's coming in a few months, Mark. Don't worry. You can still make your Ghostwire Tokyo video. You I'm have like, time. Thanks, Shuhei Yoshida. Because <laughs> uh, I know he's, he's working on it personally. He personally wrote uh, this blog so,
0: post, even though it's under a different person's name. Yes, exactly.
1: Yes. He also
2: did the coding. Yeah. He wrote the C++ coding for it
1: he's got it he's a he's a ghostwriter. <laughs> yep. he's a ghostwriter. mark mark cerny is just an actor it's just shuhei he just he builds ps5 he's also the one that makes them all so just every time some playstation's like hey here's a new update and people are like what why don't you just make new consoles shuhei's trying he's busy he's trying to make more the he's, he's, he's building them he's also taking pictures of food in san francisco like he's also telling while you about building all the PS5.
0: you know give them man, yeah give he's, them he's a
1: break. busy guy just give him a break
0: um but yeah vi-
1: but yeah uh no i'm very excited for this feature hopefully it comes out sooner than later
0: yeah vrr will be here in the next few months uh for those who don't know what it does it essentially helps to minimize or eliminate uh visual artifacting frame pacing issues issues stuff like that by um accounting for and syncing the refresh rate of your display with the ps5 so that things are not you know to to help minimize screen tearing and stuff like that so hopefully yep. Uh, and and as Mark said, it can help with things like input lag and, and whatnot. So hopefully mm-hmm. that comes, as you said, sooner than later we don't have an announcement just yet There is a screenshot of it as a listed option in the PS5 settings that they put on the PlayStation blog. So clearly they have a like dev build in the works of it. They are testing it out. It is a thing that's like
1: implemented in some form. Uh, <laughs> Variable refresh rate is all about movement Here's a screenshot of it in action <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: Oh, no. I, I think <laughs> I. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, so I got the update this morning, um, like right before I did another Returnal run, and I looked at my trophies for a few games, and they actually color coded uh, the end part of the little trophy cards now so if you're looking at it in the vertical like uh yes. row listing yeah. they added like bronze silver and gold coloring i oh, didn't gold. look at the platinum i didn't look at what the platinum ones look like though
1: i'll have to go double check that one
0: well it's not um, like you have many platinums to look at i so.
1: definitely don't yeah unfortunately. it's because you already have them all so there you were probably low- <laughs> sorted no- by not earned and you're like well there, there are no. it's too late <laughs> <laughs> i've earned um, every trophy <laughs>
0: But yeah, that new update is out. There was also, I think it's it's starting to get better or has already by the time we're recording, but there were some also PSN outages. People are having PlayStation Plus subscription connections. Hopefully by the time you're listening to that, if you've been having those issues, first of all, I'm sorry. But ho- hopefully that stuff is fixed by this point. Um, moving on from there, just a few specific game things to mention. Uh, a new Witcher saga was announced. As, as uh, CD Projekt Red has made it clear, this is not The Witcher 4. We are not saying this right. is the Witcher four, but a new Witcher saga game has been announced. It will be on Unreal Engine five. Um, obviously, Witcher is a huge franchise. Uh, probably, CD Projekt Red is certainly wants to go back to that up after the ups and downs of Cyberpunk. I would imagine, but uh, mm-hmm. based on the announcement, based on the way it was phrased, and all these things, based on the way that Unreal Engine five is, you know, just starting to roll out there for developers to use. This is probably a few years away. I would not expect this on your shelves next year. Winter yeah.
2: of 2022. It's coming this year, guys. Witcher. Oh, oh I'm gosh. just calling no. <laughs> it.
1: No, I- it's funny and not surprising to see them take the Bethesda Game Studios route, right? Where it's like, they're going to just switch off. We're going to get Witcher in. Who knows, right? Like they announced yeah, Cyberpunk like seven years before it came out and now they're. Yeah working on unreal engine five which actually could speed up game development so like Mm that that could be an exciting thing um but you have to assume that the game is probably minimum five years out uh yeah which means cyberpunk 2078 is is 10 years out right so it's like it's kind of this weird bethesda thing right like when are we gonna get fallout 5 after Elder Scrolls 6 which is after Starfield so it's like it's one of those things where i'm like, well uh, this exciting, but i'm not the world's biggest Witcher fan, but i do like Cyberpunk." So, uh it's it's a little disappointing that Cyberpunk 2077 2 is is going to be a while out probably, but we still have some expansions on the way. So that's cool.
2: I'm excited for this one. I didn't put a, a, enough time into Witcher 3 as i would have liked to because i really enjoyed the world, but there's just so many games that came out with, during its heyday that i just kind of skipped over it um but i really love i mean it's it's known for being one of the best open world games with its side quests um it's really great um and uh you know i re- i personally really liked gwent you know it was there was a reason why it got its own spin-off games and stuff in it as well um but yeah I, i'm really excited to see where it's coming we know we're gonna get a new school of witchers the school of the lynx is what's been announced um which is kind of it's uh very interesting to see what this new school is going to look like because for those who haven't played the witcher there's different schools school of the griffin school of the cat school of the wait cat I think there was one cat, Wolf. There's a whole bunch of
1: different schools. None of don't us quote are going to call you out on it because yes, we don't. please don't. <laughs> exactly. Don't... Five
0: hours, and then yeah. I've just been waiting for the PS5 patch. My girlfriend. Oh God, I can it. see
1: the comments now. Why did you guys get any Witcher fans for this one small news beat? <laughs> <laughs>
2: because we had all <laughs> these PlayStation news <laughs> to talk about. but, but Yeah, um, and they said, and they also said we're not going to be playing. They didn't not say we're going to be playing as Geralt. So like, who knows? who we're going to be playing as? Right now, I guess the rumor's going around is we're going to be playing as Siri. That'd which, be awesome. And I'd be really excited to see. Um, so we'll see. Well, I'm, hopefully we'll hear more on that. But yeah, we're probably looking to what 2027, 2028. If we're lucky. Probably, you know, maybe yeah. again,
0: uh, like was mentioned, if if UE5 helps speed up production, maybe 2026, uh, 2025. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah,
1: it, it's definitely it also like depends on years. Scope. Yeah, it's years out. And well, and if yeah. anybody knows anything about The Witcher 3, it's that the scope is enormous, right, and so i the fact that cyberpunk twenty seventy seven came out in what twenty twenty but they you you can basically say they they've now that it's on p s five that they've kind of finished vanilla development now uh mm-hmm. and then they're gonna have just teams working on the expansions this has got to be. I mean, this game is like a logo, right? Like, so. I mean, this
0: <laughs> is, yeah, this is unfortunately becoming a little bit more of a common trend. Like, I think it helps fans to know to to certain to put certain expectations on time frames. But like, like this you is a said, shareholder move, though. Exactly. It's, it's definitely oh. that, especially this comes right before the end of a, a fiscal year for most companies. So this certainly helps to stir up that excitement. But like you said, Mark, we saw that with Bethesda, they announced Skyrim and Starfield at the same time years ago.
1: Elder Scroll 6. Elder Scrolls 6. But Elder
0: Scrolls two, thank you. Thank you.
1: Skyrim. Uh, but, but, but that there. was also a shareholder move, right? Exactly. Like yep. Elder Scrolls 6 had had probably started so early development, but they're announcing it because E3 is a trade show. It so was they're a showing name on a whiteboard probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so they they but that's that is the whole point. Is like, why they're announcing Elder Scrolls 6? Because you you're watching at a trade show. They want their stocks to go up. And stocks will go up when they announce that they're working on Elder Scrolls 6. Same with this. Stocks have been I mean, I don't follow stocks, so I don't I don't know. But I have to assume <laughs> things had not been great for CD Project Red. So them announcing like, hey, we're making a new Elder Scrolls. Uh, or, or witcher sorry, witcher got yeah okay.
0: we've we've messed Fantasy each other games. up yeah it's, uh, it's you
1: know i have to assume that looks good also the same with like bioware announcing uh mass effects like, oh yeah kind of the same deal mm-hmm. right like, mass that's, is that's not same. a game yet but
0: <laughs> and then 2k with bioshock when they, they announced bioshock Four, you know whatever it ends up being back in 2019 with the new cloud shaper studio you know, we're now three years on. Obviously, there's been a pandemic, but like that game was a very early production announcement sort of yeah. thing. I think similar to this, and so that's just. I think it helps fans set expectations for these franchises. But as you said, Mark, I think like first and foremost, it is a a way to bolster the company's prospects on a financial level.
1: Yep. Yeah. A new a new a new Witcher game makes people forget about Cyberpunk, right? So like you know, and I'm saying that as a really big a Cyberpunk Cyberpunk fan. Yeah, I love cyberpunk. So, yeah, (laughs) Uh,
0: moving on from there, just to briefly mention uh, it won't be a PlayStation console exclusive like uh, Predator Hunting Grounds was. But uh, Ilphonic, the developers behind that game, announced a new 4V1 game, which is obviously their jam and their uh, genre called Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed. Nothing to do with the Ghostbusters franchise. Of course, it's a brand new IP. No, it is a a fully licensed Ghostbusters game, Uh, including voice actors like Greg Miller are in the game.
1: Uh, (laughs) that that Uh, makes sense that greg's in the game
0: but yes yeah greg he's he's mentioned ghostbusters once or twice i believe in the past but uh yeah this will be a 4v1 game where four people are playing as ghostbusters one is playing as the ghost uh and yeah it seems very much up their alley uh this game is funny to me because the head of ilphonic or like one of the leads i think is also really big in the music industry and they were on a, a music focused podcast talking about their projects. And they just mentioned this Ghostbusters game was in the works like three or four months ago. And then they mm-hmm. just haven't said a thing about it since. But we got an official trailer. It's coming, I believe, later this year. Uh a cool multiplayer opportunity. I think like for for some of the problems that their past games have had, the core of them is often pretty fun. And I love Ghostbusters, so this might be a really fun one. I don't know about either of you Ghostbusters
2: fandom, but
1: No. And I played Predator Hunting Grounds, and I did not Fair like enough. it. So. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm a, I'm a, I would say I'm a casual Ghostbusters fan. I really enjoyed the movies. I watched them probably every two years or so, just kind of like, it's like you know what I feel like watching Ghostbusters, just random weird things, so I go and watch it. Um, I've only played the Predators Hunting Grounds at like a PAX before it came out. And I was the predator, and the match was over before it began. Basically, like I did not give people a chance to learn the controls, um, mm-hmm. so I don't know how I would do in the full version of Predator Hunting Grounds. But I don't know. I have a pedigree for taking out groups
1: of people, so that's kind of I forget do the same. So I think that game was like famously pretty broken when it started. But, Probably. Like, I'm, not, I'm not diminishing your abilities, but I, I do remember no, 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 for sure hearing that that game was like famously <laughs> well, like the predator pre- pretty much always won. <laughs> like-
2: well, like I said, I played it at a trade show and I attacked people before they had a chance to learn the controls. So, right. you know, that also <laughs> wasn't fair, but it's definitely I enjoyed like, myself. Yeah. I enjoyed my, I enjoyed impaling people and lasering people. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it was a good time. So, yeah. uh, you know, let's bust some ghosts. Uh, I really like Ghostbusters 09. That was one thing I will say. Ghostbusters 09 back on the PS3 yeah. was amazing. Um that was like a so-
0: canon third
2: Ghostbusters, basically, right? it was uh, i believe so at the time i don't know if it's still canon but now yeah but yeah it's uh yeah it was really well done um they even kept track of how much collateral damage you did which was fun and not fun (laughs) um (laughs) so i was like there's sometimes i play and i was just like how much collateral damage can i actually do yeah. how much how how high does this 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 number ticker go how bad can we be <laughs> at our
0: jobs technically yeah this one'll be yes. interesting cuz yeah being a ghostbuster you pretty much only have one weapon with the proton pack but we'll we'll see what they do to help vary up the gameplay obviously you have some traps and things but i'm, I'm curious how they uh help kind of vary up the gameplay but we'll we'll see later this year uh, i think reb from our news team actually got to go hands-on with it so uh that should be up either by the time this posts or near in the future so check that out um, i have heard
1: that ghostwire tokyo is basically just a ghostbusters game
0: it's true so. yes yeah they play the theme <laughs> weirdly they got the rights to Ray yeah. parker jr's song <laughs>
1: So maybe also the, the firehouse maybe I is also the Ghostbusters
0: fan. <laughs> <laughs> I maybe we'll we'll find out when we talk about Ghostwire in a few minutes. But before we do that, just also briefly mention we got official confirmation from Rocksteady that Suicide Squad killed the Justice League, was delayed till 2023. Uh we got spring 2023 as a release window, which we didn't have previously. So it's good to know that, that one is aiming for a first sort of half of next year launch window. We'll see what happens. But yeah. Rocksteady. You know, we've been waiting long enough at this point. I'll just... They can just take their time. (laughs) It's fine with me. Um, Plus, we got Gotham Knights in October. Uh, But anyway, other than that, also wanted to... I'm just going to briefly mention this in passing and then we'll move on. Uh, Xbox gave a talk at GDC and you're probably wondering why am I talking about an Xbox talk? Because uh, between Phil Spencer and Sarah Bond, uh, they mentioned that, you know, they were talking about subscription services and they mentioned how, you know, PlayStation has announced theirs and uh, then moved on. But of course, Spartacus is not announced. So if you see people talking about PlayStation subscription service being announced, it hasn't been yet though me saying that now probably means it will be announced in between when we record and when we post unfortunately
2: Jonathan Jonathan you don't subscribe to Shuhei Yoshida's Patreon I got the news like from directly from him like it's only a hundred it's only like a hundred thousand yen a month but you get all the inside information right off the bat
0: He's just leaking God of War Ragnarok two, and it's Sly Cooper five. I'm sure that's where all that's coming from. His page,
1: yeah. Shoot, yeah. he he hit he hit me up on the DS the 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 picto chat thing. He was like, "Yeah, Spartacus is on the way." I, I thought like, you were going to oh, say DMs
0: no. and you misspoke, but no, you went nope, to picto
1: nope, chat. All right, he hit me in the little chat. He was like, "Hey, uh, also <laughs> here's a picture of Kratos. What do you think?" I was like, oh, "It looks nothing like."
0: This. <laughs> here's a picture. of it's, he's not bald in it he has hair for some reason it's really
1: yeah um, uh, shoo hey stick to what you know man like yeah, <laughs> which man. is yeah. patreon of course which um, is yeah i saying. thought the comment was really funny i think it's such a funny off the cuff like kind of thing because like yeah she's just like yeah you know people we have our game press description and now sony has announced hers and i was i googled i'm like wait, did they say the words did they ever say the words that this is coming it's was like, no, that's just kind of the power of like, it's an all but announced situation. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's coming. We don't know the name of it. We just call it Spartacus because that's what the code name is. Uh, and we like they've announced these. They they haven't announced these like tier plans, but it's like it's the worst kept secret in the world right now. We're just waiting for them to actually say it. But it is it is kind of funny to show the like power of like you know online conversation that it's like they've announced it. And it's like, no, we have it. And it's like, oh. Oh, OK, well, we thought you had because yeah, everybody on Twitter said you guys did.
0: <laughs> I think the only full thing that PlayStation has said is like they have a response in the works. But what that is, they have. The not
2: announced. But yeah,
0: we're yeah. we're expecting that. I think this spring and it is spring now, it officially turned to spring. So yeah, sure.
2: Uh, very tiny. Sorry, go ahead. Finish
0: here. I was going to say, hopefully that's something we get in the next few weeks before the summer event season kicks
2: in. I'm still trying to find your breaks in speeching. I'm speaking. I'm speaking like I know we've been doing this for months, and I'm terrible at it. So no, sue me. But um, I was just say small segue. What if you know these tier plans for? And this is something I just came up with. The whole economy balancing and all these live service games. What if there's something in the tiers that kind of like these always online games like GT Seven? There's like a boost. Like if you're part of the membership, like you get a boost to your in-game
1: earned currency and stuff like that. Is that something you guys would like to see? I think it would reduce me to tears. Because it sounds complicated, I I just wanted to say, reduce me to tears. (laughs) I
0: think think it makes sense, but I also think it would annoy a lot of people because it does. uh, Unless it is only cosmetically based, if it's anything that is gameplay impactful, I think people would be very upset. I think you could potentially get away with cosmet like a Fortnite kind of does this. They have the Fortnite crew, where essentially you you subscribe monthly and you get a bonus uh, costume. Or like if you're a that PlayStation Plus subscriber, you get a bonus Fortnite costume. I think if they did bonuses for it for PlayStation games, Good that point. would be one thing. But I think like anything that you can get in game and buy money for that someone else can get by not paying as much money suddenly creates this question of like, well, that why is that fair? And and so, no. I, but I, I I think you're onto something in terms of I wouldn't be shocked if there are perks for these PlayStation games. <laughs> multi- player live service games that get added yep. to their tiers as a result
1: yep you guys just made me so much less excited for spartacus <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not even oh, real. we didn't even say a real
1: thing though Mark. that sounds that just sounds all that all sounds awful <laughs> <Fair
0: enough>. well <laughs> hopefully it doesn't disappoint you whenever it gets officially announced but perhaps you know maybe it's one of the situations where every time we say spartacus herman just delays it by a day
2: could. Spartacus, spartacus 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 oh no <laughs> don't do that to the leakers jada
1: uh, well i have to assume i was gonna I was, we, there's probably a big summer update right and that'll be spartacus and vrr right the fact that they're kind of like showing these things and it's like these are in the coming months and you're like okay well i i've also heard that spartacus is in the coming months sounds like we could have a cool summer refresh for the ps5 yep. yeah i'd be excited times.
0: definitely potential yeah. i I thought you meant during an event and I like the closer we get to it potentially being a reality. I like, I know some people have, have questioned whether it'll be, I think Spartacus is a blog post. Like, I think it's a tweet announcement with a,
1: you think outline. so?
0: I, based on Isn't the that
1: supposed to be their like game pass competitor. You think they would just put it in a blog post. I think mean, we get a state of play with it in like God of war or something. Mm, I For me, it's just one of
0: those things where like, we don't currently have much of a precedent other than the reveal of the PS five for PlayStation talking about services during a showcase like that. Like they tend not yeah. to do much of that stuff in their shows. I like, I could be wrong, but I think, it I think what'll d- matter is how much PlayStation cares about it. Like I know it's being billed as yeah. the, the game pass competitor, but that's mostly our conjecture and them saying we have a subscription idea in the works. True. I like, I, I don't think they are going to position it as a game pass killer, quote unquote. And so I think it just depends no. on how much they think it's going to be a factor at launch.
1: It, it, i think yeah i think it really depends on on how exciting it is to them and how exciting they'll think it'll be to people yeah if it's just a like yeah i've said this a million times if it if it's just a way to like play old games yeah then it's just a blog post right like because i uh, i don't watch a playstation showcase to hear that i get to play uh ratchet and clank a crack in time like i just yeah that's not the space for that um i know that will excite a lot of people but like that's not what those are for but if they have something on their hands where they're like yo and god of war is coming day one and you know and, and they do that game pass model for at least one or two of their big games i feel like that's something that they would announce because like they would they would that would really really disrupt this idea of like Game Pass is great because every first party game comes day one. If they're able to be like, "Hey, Spartacus is great," and like not every game, but God of War Ragnarok is going to be there day one on it. Like that is really going to shake up some things. And I, I could picture them doing something like that. Not them doing it, but if they were to do it, they would announce it at a show. I
0: think. Yeah, if it's that yeah. big a deal.
1: Yeah. If it's that big of a deal. For sure. It uh,
0: may not be. <laughs> we'll we'll hopefully find out soon. <laughs> uh gdc would have sort of been a sensible place to announce a thing like that but not yet so we'll see uh moving on from there we're running a little short on time but i do want to check in with you all about games you've been playing uh jada i know you've been bouncing around a lot so i'm i'm gonna quickly just start with you uh i know you mm-hmm. uh you've platinumed stranger of paradise since we last spoke correct
2: yep i did get the platinum on that one nice. yes um uh not too bad probably i think i probably Probably like 60, 70 hours to get the platinum a little bit. I think my game clock topped over 100 playing some co-op, going and helping other players online. Um, the biggest thing I could say is if you're going for the platinum trophy, uh, some of the things evolved around like the chaos difficulty and getting your classes to a, you have to get one class to 99. And the only way to do that is by playing missions on chaos difficulty, which ranks the missions up to 300 to unlock these uh these class limiters um, releases. And so uh, you can some of them are lower, some of them are higher. If you need to play on things up to 300, there are certain missions that are easier to just go in and get gear because it's all gear focused in the end game. Um, there's one mission I look it up real quick. It's called Coral Memories, the greedy. Um, and basically there's two bombs. If you're unfamiliar, Final Fantasy fire they're like fire little bombs. If you hit them with fire spells, they self-destruct. They drop a bunch of gear. They're right next to a save point at the start of the mission. Super easy to get level like 290 plus gear to do some of the higher emissions. So that is your Strangers of Paradise trophy tip. Um, but yeah, I've been playing that and Ghostwire Tokyo and a lot of Elden Ring. Um, I'm very early in Ghostwire Tokyo. I'm playing on the Tatari difficulty, so it means no leveling up, forever level one, very minimal skill points. Um, and the only way to raise my HP and stuff is by eating food. I'm not sure if you get uh, HP level ups, uh, increases on level up, though. Mark, you can probably speak they, better to they that do than increase i can on
1: level up that's that's yeah. the only way to raise okay. your hp even on the easiest difficulty is by
0: well no there. everything you increases your hp
2: yeah it increases sure. your hp every any time you eat food yeah point four i was asking if on level oh, up okay. yeah if you gain hp on level up
1: you mean permanently or like do you get healed yeah permanent permanently like 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 you you go from okay okay
2: so you gain for go from like 100 to 110 if you on a level up if you level up or something like that i don't know what the numbers are there's also a
1: skill point in there where uh when you absorb cores you can the more you level it up you absorb cores you get uh xp back or uh hp back oh yeah i
2: don't i don't restoration is whatever i just mean like increasing your maximum right 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 yeah yeah yeah
1: Uh, it's my turn yeah so yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> I was like, wait, I, I didn't know if I was. If we're, we're transitioning
0: saying... <laughs> into more Ghostwire talk. So yeah, go. go yeah, on. I mean,
1: I, I talked about I talked about Ghostwire last weekend. I, d- I don't really have much else to say. The thing, the thing I wasn't able to say last weekend because that was still the preview embargo is that by by last weekend I had already beaten the game. uh It's pretty short, like as far as open world games go. Like if you mainline it, you could probably beat it in like thirteen or fourteen hours. I beat it in just over 17 hours and that was with doing like a lot of side stuff not everything obviously um i haven't had much desire to play much more of it i i think the game's totally fine i think the combat is super weak uh but i said that last week so uh but i think the story is good i think it's well told i think it's semi-simple but it doesn't overstay its welcome with how short it is like when the game when the credits started rolling i was like oh okay that in other games This entire story could have been a prologue, to be honest with you. So I kind of like that this was like the story. I'm totally fine with that. So I like it. Uh, I'm playing a lot of Elden Ring still because that game is fun. And then I, whoa, that's it. (laughs) I haven't been playing anything else. I'm going to play Tiny Tina this weekend. Uh, I I haven't played it yet because, uh, We only got PC versions early and uh, me and my wife played Borderlands 3 completely co-op. So we're going to do that again for Tiny Mm. Tina. So waiting for the uh, waiting to buy the PS5 version when it comes out. But I've also been watching the morning show. That show is great. Of course. Uh, Yes, If you have not Mm -hmm. watched it, it deals with a lot of tough issues in the workplace. Uh, But that show is awesome uh, because I'm caught up on Severance. So there's nothing else to watch.
0: That's fair. We've only got a couple more weeks to Severance. It's going to be tough oh
1: no don't say it
0: i know i'm sorry it's like three <laughs> weeks left i
1: think so. well i'm gonna once it's off. done i'm gonna i'm gonna re-watch the whole thing as like a real long movie because it's Perfect. like do a speed th- that is a really great way to watch that show and now having to piecemeal the episodes like i watched last friday just with everybody else and, and it'll be the same for the next few weeks um what a great show man
2: it's very good it's very very good have you watched it Severance, I haven't started it yet. I am waiting for the full season to drop, and then I'm going to binge it like like Mark's planning to do for his rewatch. I I, I've been binging (laughs) as uh, crazy as I've been binging uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Um, I've I just I'm I'm like finishing up season seven, and I also just but I did just binge the third season of Pose. And if you haven't watched Pose Pose yet, watch Pose. It is about ballroom culture in New York, and it is fantastic It is one of my favorite shows that has ever been made um pose is amazing i've heard really great stuff about pose yeah
1: i've never even heard of it so <laughs> uh,
2: FX,
0: i believe it. it's one of ryan murphy he, ryan murphy produced it yes I
2: believe, it's he- one of ryan murphy's yes yeah
0: yep um and he can be hit or miss but from what i've heard pose is very much a hit uh, for him. So, yeah. Pose is amazing. I need to go check that out at some point. But, yeah, uh, just to briefly mention, I did want to, you know, on the Ghostwire trend, I am somewhere in the middle of these two. I haven't beaten it, but I'm close to the end of it. I've done a decent chunk of side stuff. Uh, we. Uh, We're talking about it before, like if you're trophy hunting, there is a skill that you can unlock that uh, I guess light spoilers. Mm. There is an ability to grapple up to certain uh, a certain type of yokai called a tengu. Uh, Mm -hmm. They are flying on certain building rooftops if you upgrade the skill it takes quite a lot of skill points in both uh magatama i believe is the additional unlock Mm -hmm. thing you need it's like
1: seven of them
0: it's seven Seven. and then it's 45 skill points but once you unlock that you can essentially produce a tengu wherever you want you can just call one in grapple up to it and use (sighs) yeah there's there's a lot of collectibles on rooftops uh, of the main sort of spirit collectibles so that will help you basically circumvent having to like find weird ways to climb up buildings it's a huge asset if you can get it early
1: you you essentially become spider-man like you because you can glide from one building to another and then start pressing the button and there's a good chance it'll 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 produce one and you can and it helps with the main game as well if you want to just like mainline and go for it because (sighs) Ghostwire does this really like Kind of annoying thing that that kind of frustrates me. There's there was another game that did it as well. I can't remember what what I was, what I was playing. I was thinking about it, where it's like you need to get to the top of this roof for this quest, and you're like, okay, and you're like looking around this building trying to get on top, and you're like, oh no, I don't need to get on the top of this roof. I need to get on the top of of a roof three buildings away, and then make my way over. And it it kind of does that a little bit towards the end, where I'm like, you're just looking for a way on top of this building and. Gets kind of annoying, so that that is like that. Get, that ability really does break the game. Yeah, <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> it
0: is. There's a lot of good abilities. I think you can unlock early, or you can <laughs> watch, watch the, the rapper.
1: Rapper.
2: Uh, <laughs> It's part of the review. It's the it's the the TP uh, uh, side quests, oh, the toilet paper
1: side quests. That is <laughs> a, that is a <laughs> worthless side quest.
0: What's funny is I believe someone did not to like fact check our own video review, but apparently that is not a parappa reference and is a much longer standing. Uh, reference to uh, Japanese mythology to a certain extent. Interestingly,
2: yes, um, I believe that, that uh, sounds
0: right. But that funny. is a cool thing about Ghostwire, and I think I totally agree with everything that Mark is not liking about it. But I agree with you in terms of I real like I'm really drawn to the world. I think this world is really <laughs> mm-hmm. cool. It's a really interesting take on an open world that is somewhat horry. They, you know, obviously these are Japanese devs making a world that they know very well. Uh, like, this version of Shibuya they've created is really beautiful and really well-designed and feels like walking around some, like, smaller, you know, Japanese city streets. I think it really captures that beautifully. And the yokai, the, the mythology that's wrapped into it, I think is all really cool. I like the main characters. Like, I like Akito and Yoka uh, KK quite a bit. I mean, I think the story's cool. But I totally agree. I think, like, the combat is perfunctory at best. Like, it is there's color by numbers yeah it, it's so i think it's so limited and so basic as a result that after hour three or four you essentially have seen everything you're going to do in the combat and it's just a bit of a bummer in that regard
1: um, yeah it I, looks i've always like it looks cooler than it like is fun to play for sure like it yeah. looks fancy uh it's it's incredibly basic and and i've i I, how i described it last week is how i would still describe it which is basically like at at its best it's completely fine and then at at its worst it's like really frustrating because the fact that you just there's a lot of mobility issues and the game wants you to hold buttons so much and it does everything it Mm. can do to cancel those holds like what would change everything about the game is When you're holding something like you're holding a charge attack or you're holding a core, you should be able to choose to accept the damage that you're about to take and continue to hold the button. Right. But the fact Mm -hmm. that you're taking the damage and it's canceling your hold is. It it gets beyond it gets beyond frustrating to me, and it It does get a little frustrating.
2: Yeah, I, I will say like. I have to I find myself having to cancel attacks a lot more, especially on Tatari, because the enemies are way more aggressive on that difficulty. So like they're constantly in my face. So I have to perfect parry. I can't tell you how many attacks I've canceled so I can (laughs) parry attacks and knock them back. Um, So I have to be a lot more strategic. So I I think it's I'm enjoying the combat a little bit more because of that. But I would really love to play this game in VR. I think playing this in VR with how simple the the controls and stuff, like yeah. the, the combat is, would be an amazing
1: experience in VR. Yeah, I, I could totally see so that. You could do the hand motions. I mean,
2: exactly.
0: Oh, I was joking with my girlfriend because she was watching me play, and I kind like I occasionally will do like an action while he's doing a thing, and she's like, "So if it was just Joy Cons, I would be doing the like whoa the weaving and stuff." Um, it would be cool. I totally agree. A VR version of this would actually be awesome. I really hope, like even though i do have some problems on the gameplay level i kind of hope we get a sequel or just something from their world and lore and story building that continues this cuz i do think they have something there but i do think they need to make some some improvements on the gameplay side yep. um other than that just want to shout out cuz i've mentioned it a bunch on the show i finally beat persona 5 royal and of course have moved on to playing persona 4 golden and i finally understand the love for p4g i love it so much and i'll probably talk about it more when i've played more than 3 hours of it um but that is going to pretty much wrap us up for this week's episode of Podcast Beyond. Uh, thank you, Mark and Jada, for joining me for this week's episode. Uh, you can find us all on Twitter. I'm at JM Dornbush. Mark is at Mark underscore Medina and Jada is at Jada underscore Rena. Uh, thank you both again. Thank you to Red, our producer, for making the show happen. Uh, and thank you to everyone out there for listening and watching. I do want to quickly point you to, if you haven't, we put out the latest of our inside stories, which are our really, really awesome documentary-style videos uh, that our video team and, and our features team produce. Uh, this one is sort of the inside story of Finding DITMAN uh, related to Resident Evil 4 mm-hmm. and the speedrunning community there. If you don't know that story, it's still worth watching. It's an incredibly well-researched, surprising and really entertaining video i can't recommend it enough go check that out but uh until next time beyond is live every wednesday at 3 p.m pacific so so come come check us out next week as we talk hopefully about more playstation acquisitions or other things that happen um and in the meantime if you have any questions for the show please write into beyond at ign.com tweet at all of us uh, or just tweet hashtag let mm-hmm. Jade raymond make a game and and we'll all make it happen because it's finally hopefully going to happen this time uh, anyway Thank you all so much for joining me. Thank you to everyone out there for listening and watching. We hope you're doing well. We hope you're staying safe. And as always, beyond. Beyond. Beyond.